So, hello friends and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 29 and on this episode or in this episode, we're looking at what is the Bible, the way that I see it. So this currently has been a series of blog posts that have been on my site at stephenhackney.com, but this is the final one in the series, and uh, when I was just giving it consideration, I thought, you know what, I think this is going to make a better podcast than it is blog posts, so here we are, running through um, with another podcast in the final of a series that we've been looking at that was uh, first, um, well, first preached down at Hope, actually, Um, but I've been looking at it as blog posts since that time, and um, here we are, session number seven, uh, what is the Bible the way that I see it? It was Erwin McManus, or it was from Erwin McManus, that I first heard the line that he tells the best story wins, and when we consider the Bible, what it is, what it's about, we understand that it is a meta-narrative, it is a big story into which our stories can fit and find context and meaning and purpose and guidance and direction. Yet the stories of our lives fit within the context of this meta-narrative, this big story, because things begin to, or at least for me, things began to make sense when I saw them in the context of the scriptures. So the Bible for me is God's story. It's God's big story that he has um, brought into the world and finds its climax and its culmination in Christ himself. It's a story of new creation and it uses the language of new birth, new humanity, new creation, new heaven and new earth to describe it. Uh, Paul, when he was writing and trying to capture Um, something of the the nature of scripture and the purpose of God. He said, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Big statement for a Jew to make. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what do we see in the scriptures? What is the Bible? What is the way that I see it? Well, For me, there are several statements to be made, things to explore when we consider this big question of what is uh, the Bible. Um, First thing I want to say is this, that it's a story that really resonates. Um, And I think there are reasons for that. But um, I was down at, um, well, Phil was down at um, a conference in London, the HDB conference last year, and a guy called Brian Stevenson spoke and um, he was speaking about uh, the power of proximity and how things change when we get closer to a person or a situation. Um, When I listened to Brian Stevenson speak on the platform um, on the morning of that conference, uh, not only was I deeply impressed with his ability to articulate and tell his story, but I was also deeply impressed and impacted um, by what he was talking about. When I heard his story, it made me want to fight for the underprivileged, to stand up for justice, to work to put the world's wrongs right. Um, his, his talk, his, his story, his message had such a massive impact, I think, on, on everybody who, who listened that day. 
He said things like this, we have to get closer to those who are suffering. It's in proximity that things get real. With proximity, people can feel the power of your hug and the love that this brings. He said again, we have to change some of the narratives that hold and justify people's incarceration. If we allow ourselves to be governed by fear and anger, then we will allow things to continue that sustain injustice. We have to get underneath the policies to change the narrative. Here's another thing he said, we have to change the ideology of white supremacy. In too many parts of the world, people are presumed guilty on the basis of their colour. He said many, many great things that day. Here's just a few others. We need to invite people to the power of confession. We're going to have to stay hopeful. Sometimes hopefulness is harder than faithfulness. What a great statement that is. Uh, we will have to do things which are inconvenient and uncomfortable. And he said the opposite of poverty isn't wealth, it's justice. My, my, it was a massive, massive talk that he gave that day. And I think the impact of it just continues to live on um, in, in me the more I think about his words and some of the things that he said on, on that occasion. Uh, why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that for this simple reason, that that this story, Brian Stevenson's story, was was a story that resonated with the audience that were listening that day. It resonated powerfully and it resonated deeply. And when I come to look at the Bible, the scriptures, God's holy book, um, this is the place where I want to start because what we find there or what I find there is, is a story that first and foremost resonates. Now, in what way does it resonate? I remember being a little boy lying in bed and just nodding off to sleep. And as you're just sort of drifting off to sleep, allowing my mind to wander and think about, you know, the size of the universe, the stars that were in the sky and asking those questions, really. What is this all about? What, what does it all mean in, in my own childlike way? And obviously now as an adult, as a mature person um, I'm still thinking about and wondering on all of those things but probably from a more mature perspective and and these are some of the things that that I believe speak to me um, and to us about what is the Bible when we say that it's a story that resonates it because it, it resonates with the eternal longing Julian Barnes as an atheist was asked the question do you believe in God? And he replied, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. What a powerful statement. Because we all want to believe that there is something more than what we've already experienced, tasted, touched, seen. And the God dynamic, the God dimension would answer or at least step into that void and begin to unpack this longing um, further. It resonates with the eternal longing. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 
Second thing is, it resonates with the existential itch. That part of us that sort of scratches around to find meaning and purpose and identity in the world, the things that make us human, that uh, culminate together to articulate and speak into our souls as to who we actually are, the big story of the scriptures, it, it resonates with the existential itch and it does it from numerous perspectives of which we ought not to get into today but not only does it do it from the perspective of God being the author of the story but it also does it from the way in which the characters inside the story meet and encounter the divine God and have their existential itch scratched as it were Third thought is that it resonates with the inner search for meaning. Uh, Russell Brand was doing an interview with uh, Yuval Hari, and um, with the coming age, he said that one of the greatest threats for humanity would be the arrival of the robots. This will and is creating what he refers to as the useless class. That is a sense in which we don't feel value in ourselves anymore because the contribution that we would have made is now being automated or it's been taken over by the robots and therefore we become useless to society. This is what he's purporting and suggesting will happen and you can see something of the truth behind that but in a way you know we have to find our value and our purpose not in not in our doings but in our being in the sense of you know our identity is in who we are as a human being a person created in the image and the likeness of god and anything that flows from that of course is beautiful and a bonus but at the heart of our souls at the very footwell of our own being we we need to recognize that we have value in our own humanity and in who we are as people. So the Bible, I find, is a story that resonates. The second thing that I would want to say um, about the Bible is, is that it's a story that illuminates. It probes humanity and reveals it for what it is, not what you would like it to be. When Cain kills Abel out of pure jealousy, it illuminates the human heart of each one of us. We know the emotion. We know how, how jealousy eats away at us. How many people have we killed with jealousy? Not literally, but certainly within our hearts. It shows the waywardness and the dark side of the soul. The Bible shows us for who we are because we can see ourselves in the characters that it portrays. But the Bible doesn't simply illuminate us for who we are. It also shines the light on who God is. God is embodied in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the message of the scriptures. Hebrews puts it like this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
This is a story that truly illuminates the human heart, the human condition, our own basic humanity, and it speaks a message to us. We receive illumination, revelation through the scriptures and through the Bible. Third point is this, it's a story that translates. Through the ages, people have embraced the story of the Bible and it's touched and impacted and and changed their lives in transformational uh, ways. And it is a story that translates into each context, into each culture, into each century, into each generation. This is John Wesley's story, how he put um, his encounter. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street, where once was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. The scriptures translate that their message speaks with a sense of newness and purpose into each generation, into each context, into every culture, this this huge meta-narrative, this, this big story of the scriptures comes and speaks into all of our lives and brings a message of hope and peace and revelation and truth and grace. It translates down the ages and through the generations and it speaks across the different divides as well and it brings unity and purpose to each of us. So it's a story that translates. And then, and this is important, it's also a story that elevates. Uh, and the reason the story elevates is because it comes and, and it speaks to it speaks to our greatness. It speaks to that innate part of our own lives that suggests to us, certainly in our better moments, that uh, there is more to life than what I've experienced and there's more to me than what I've attained. And it speaks that message that God has got a purpose for each and every one of us, that we are not here by chance or accident, but we're here because of divine intention. We're here because God wants us to be here. We're here because of his love and his goodness and his grace. Here's some words from the scriptures, from the book of Ephesians. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here we've got something of the divine intention. 
which is that of elevation. And God raises us up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What God wants to do for each of us is to change our perspective, to change our position and to change our perspective so that we can see things in the way that we were intended to see things, to see life from the perspective that Christ offers and Christ gives and brings to us. And how do we receive this? Well, we receive this by faith in Christ, by receiving the grace that he gives to us. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. I just love the way in which that sentence comes together and and says to us, you know, this is an equal level playing field for all of us. We, we come to God to find the divine intention, each of us, on the same basis, on the same premise. None of us are more elevated than anybody else, but we each come to receive it by grace and through faith, not by works, because then no one can boast. And then he concludes here, for we are God's handiwork. The other way in which you can translate this word handiwork, which is, I think, quite explanatory, you know, it explains itself quite well anyway, handiwork, we are God's handiwork, is, is to substitute it for the word poem. Uh, we, we are God's poem. He, he speaks over us and he speaks into us and we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're all here in this world navigating our way through the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the challenges and the blessings in order that we might become who we were always intended to be and to bring something into this world which will be our unique blessing and our contribution. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are those good works for you? What is it that God has really put in your heart? What is it that he's stirring you over today? What are those good works? And how can you invest in them? How can you search them out? How can you go and engage and be involved in those good works? Because it says here that God has prepared them in advance for us to do. And this is the thing about the sovereign nature of the divine, isn't it? That even before we were born, he already had us in mind, and having had us in mind, had already set in order the things that we would be able to engage with that would make us come fully alive inside so that you and I would become the people that God had always intended for us to be. This, for me, is the big story of the Bible. What is the Bible? The Bible's not, first and foremost, a book of rules and regulations. It's, it's not about doing this and not doing that. The, the Bible is a story of God's love for the world that he's created and how he embodies that love in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and how that story unfolds through his life and death and resurrection and ascension and how we ultimately each one of us find our way 
into this story. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what the message of the scriptures points to. This is the way that I see it, that God's story becomes our story because we step into it through faith in Christ and enable him to work out his life and purpose inside each one of us. The Bible's a great book. It carries a great message. It's a wonderful story and um, it's not always easy and uh, it carries some real complexities and some real challenges as well. But the essence of the story of the scriptures is one of God engaging himself with his creation. And that means with you and with me. So that's what the Bible is all about, or at least that's the way that I see it. And so until next time, I encourage you to pick up the scriptures and uh, read some of those passages particularly those in the Gospels and uh, the life story of Jesus and some of the epistles that uh, those early apostles wrote can really stir your heart towards a deeper understanding of the purpose of creation and our role and our place within it. And so may you find inspiration and encouragement as you turn to it. And until next time, may grace and peace be with you.